people, it's your girl, Tasha Ray, the host of Womanhood Decoded, where each week we endeavor to explore the intersections of womanhood, motherhood, and sexuality. So today, we are going to take a deep dive into the Caribbean and to a place that is very close to my heart, which is Trinidad and Tobago. And I have with me Miss Francois, that's MSS for multi-talented and super sexy. I am the host of the Miss Francois show, where I combine candid conversations, a variety of entertainment, and I use humor to help you deal with your dysfunctional relationships. Listen, the way you just laid that out, I feel as if this is going to be one of the best episodes ever. Well, of course, I've heard the rest of the episodes, so I'm pretty sure this would be your best one, my dear. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm so appreciative. So if you are ready, uh, we can dive right on into this episode. I always ready as a Trinidad. You're not ready? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the first question that I have for you is, what was life like transitioning from Trinidad to being in the busy metropolis of New York City? I like to say, first of all, my experience, right? Because I want to one come and try to find which part I live to try to kill me and say, I hate America. But honestly, it was one of the worst things that has ever happened in my entire life to this day. Transferring from me growing up in Trinidad, as I like to say, I live in the bush, the last house in the back. You'll see no human beings. My parents send me to church and school. You walk to the two destinations. That's it. When you transfer to a a country like America, and not even America, but New York, where everyone passing you by, no one knows, have any manners, everybody just angry and about their business. It's a culture shock. It's terrifying. It's scary. I came here at 17, and my mindset is like a 10-year-old. So just imagine showing a 10-year-old in a zoo. It's not fun. Right. I can imagine. So for those of you who are not aware, my ancestral roots are deep in Trinidad, specifically in Scarborough, Tobago. And as this one would say, I'm not a real Trini because of that fact. But, you know, we will let that slide. <laughs> what I would like to know, if we can explain it to the audience, um, when it pertains to womanhood, specifically, what is the ideal woman like in Trinidad or how is a young girl raised in Trinidad as compared to here that you've witnessed in the States? Okay. Again, I always leave with my experience. Mm -hmm. if I only, even if I even look at a man, I go get killed, right? I'm not, I'm not supposed to have no boyfriend. Don't look at a man. There's no such thing as penis. That's a normal word I could say on a podcast. So basically, it's books before boys because boys bring babies. So there's nothing to do but to focus on your studies or make sure you have a Bible and you're praying. If you're not doing either or, you have no business looking at any kind of man. That's basically what it is. And I'm home, me personally and people that I was around or grew up with, most of the time you're home. There's, not no, there's no partying. There's not no going out and hanging out. You're supposed to be home. And when you get to a certain age, Hopefully you do meet that decent guy. You go off and you have some churn and you start the cycle all over again. Uh -huh. Oh my God, I like boring, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
but see the what you just explained um really rings true for me but it is very different than the perception of the island and that is because typically the only thing people know about trinidad is carnival or how we fit and so if people understand that one aspect of our culture, then they can walk away with a misunderstanding of how we are raised. So if you could explain to people what carnival is and what the word fet means, that would give some context to the conversation. Okay, carnival, that as soon as anybody meets a Trinidadian, that is the first thing that jumps up. Carnival, well, most of them don't know the word fet until I tell them a fet. Fet, first of all, is a, just a big party. Mm -hmm. Carnival incorporates, just think of a big, joyful celebration in the streets with colorful costumes. It's a big party with music that we call sova, soca, which is basically a mixture of Indian and African beats and rhythm combined and you're just jumping for two days straight monday and tuesday and then you get to pray on wednesday which is Ash wednesday right so god could forgive you of all the things that you do monday and tuesday and it's fat 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 is fat is a party morning noon and night okay sometimes people say it actually takes an entire week and it's not only the monday and tuesday so it's just think of it as a big celebration of color everybody come together and just have fun Right. So as you can see, when someone would see that, you know, if you look on the Internet and then you say that, you know, the um, culture in Trinidad is very conservative, they will oftentimes look at you as if you are crazy, because when they see what goes on at Carnival, they're like, how can these people, these same Bible going church people be so conservative yet have such a huge celebration of life? Well, that's why you have Ash Wednesday, so they could forgive your sins after your party. <laughs> but I, I definitely understand that. Again, my way is like a certain perspective and might be a certain section or some of us are like that. But I'm, mm -hmm. that's why I want to make sure I'm speaking for me as well as the people I grew around. So I do understand that when people do approach me and it's always carnival. I am someone personally that I do love my history and I love my country. So I know all about it, but I wasn't raised in it. So I have never really fully participated in it. I think I participated in any carnival celebration during Labor Day, which is held in September in New York which is mm -hmm. nothing like the one in Trinidad, mm -mm. but it's still a celebration of, you know, color, carnival, party, and it's all the Caribbean come together. But it's definitely not, when, when you're growing up, especially where I grew up, is that's not a big, that's not incorporated a lot at all, actually. Mm -hmm. So here in America, there's this thing in pubescent youth, you know, here, you know, we call it a coming of age time where here in America, basically youth are given the freedom to kind of explore who they are as far as their personal ex expression. So, for example, you might see a European or um woman or child, you know, let's say around 13 or so, and she might have her hair dyed blue or green. And, you know, she might have on makeup and such like that. Um, is that something that would be um, accepted in our culture growing up when you still live under your parents' roof? Well, that's exactly the last um, statement is, or this last sentence is exactly right. 
if you're living under your parents' roof. That's that's pretty much almost impossible. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, to me, again, since that's how I was raised, and I might not like every aspect of how I was raised, I do understand it now. But as like the American culture, they they the kids that I've experienced, they get away with murder. They could do any and everything. They're not and in the Caribbean, it's more like what bills are you paying? Are you paying a bill? Are you getting up every morning to go to work? All of the the clothes you wear, the shoes you wear, your your hair. That's all from your parents. So if all these things are coming from your parents and you cannot do them yourself, therefore anything your parents say, that's 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 good the God's word. That that is it. That is who you're following. That's the that's who set the rules. In American culture, I feel personally mm-hmm. there's not much rules. I think there's just one extreme to the next. I think America is more like everybody, let's just see how things are and explore. And in the islands, it's like it's my way or no way or get the hell out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And see what you just explained, that goes until you die. It doesn't yeah. matter how old you get. My father, he still views me as his way or no way when it comes to something of conflict. You know, we are getting to a better point, to be honest, now that I am a mother. But even so, he is still very strong in his beliefs. Gail, I used to when I when I lived here and my dad actually came and lived with me. Right. Mm-hmm. And from them, I would go out, you know, I have a man with the hell. Yeah, I have a man all over the place. So when I went by my man, <laughs> whenever somehow I come home, my father would say, What kind of time time you coming home? I say, Wait, 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 wait. You living with me or I living with you? How he living with me and telling me I coming home too late. But mm-hmm. I, I you see, I, I do understand in their minds, I they are the parent, they are the adult. But I don't think they they realize. I say it like this: If you raise me to be an adult and you raise me to have morals and standards and respect for myself, therefore you shouldn't be questioning me. You should at least be able to let go to a certain point and have me make my own decisions. But I feel like in the Caribbean, no matter what age you is, I, I am still God, and mm-hmm. sometimes I think God actually let us make more decisions than our parents do. <laughs> well, it's so nice to speak to someone that actually understands because one experience that I will share briefly. So I got a job, right? When I graduate university. And so we're speaking back in 2005. So a while ago. And so when I moved from Michigan where my parents reside, and I move across the U.S. to Atlanta, Georgia, um, I would go to work, and I would go to church, and I would go hang out within reason and be home at a certain time. Why is it I would be home at a certain time? So my parents could call me on my house phone to make sure that I was home at a certain time. Well, (laughs) one day... It was a Friday evening and my coworker, she asked me if I can go out. And I told her, no, I can't go out. And she said, hold on, why can't you go out? Is something happening? And I said, oh no, you know, I just have to go home because it's Friday and um, my parents expect me to be home, you know, um, before 10 o'clock at night. And what you are inviting me to, it goes, you know, from 11 in the night until, you know, whoever knows what time in the morning. 
And she was just like, so your parent, you live with your parents still? And I said, no, my parents live way in Michigan. She's like, hold on, you live in Atlanta, Georgia. You mean to tell me that you still follow in your parents' laws? And I said, yes. And she said, and how old are you? At the time, I don't know, I might've been 22 or so, somewhere like that. And in my mind, it made perfect sense for me to still be following my parents' rules because that's just how I was raised. You know, spared a rod, spoiled a child. You know, um, a child is supposed to be seen and not heard. You know, so these are things that was ingrained in me, you know, coming up. And um, idle time is the devil's playground, you know, so I was always busy doing things. So I say that story to say that I was a whole grown person with my own place in a whole other state. And I was still abiding by the rules of my family at that time. And I didn't think anything was wrong or anything was weird about it. Because as you know, when you live in a um, Trini um, community of people, you don't really have a lot of interaction with people outside of that if you're growing up. You know, (laughs) and so it wasn't until I had this work experience that I was, you know, interacting with someone that was not my elder, you know, and also someone that was not a Trini because someone that was a Trini, if I were to tell them that my parents tell me to be home at a certain time, there would be no kind of conversation because they would already understand. Right. And I I say this a lot of times, even though I always say, you know, the parents and we're raised differently, they do the best that they can. And even Mm -hmm. though I look back and some things didn't make sense at all, because I think it kind of stunted my growth because I didn't Mm -hmm. understand too many things about the world. Because just all I understood was what happened in my house. That's what it's supposed to be. So I feel like when I did come here. It took me lo- so many years to adjust to certain things, and I think because of how I was raised, I was a lot. I was taken advantage of in many different ways because I didn't understand certain things. Because one thing I like to tell people is, in Trinidad or how I grew up, everything everybody was auntie and uncle. Everybody's auntie mm-hmm. and uncle. Mm-hmm. So I tend to respect elders. So even when I came here at seventeen, if an elder tell me certain things, I will quicker say most likely they might they're honest or they're trying to help me. And in certain aspects, they were they were not. So I say it's it's good and bad in many ways because sometimes it keeps you out of trouble longer compared to something you're going out there and get yourself in trouble that you can't necessarily learn from because you go outside there, you get pregnant, you have multiple partners, you catch a disease compared when you're forced to stay on, you can't do anything. It takes longer to get pregnant. But at the same time, (laughs) (laughs) you know what I'm saying? I find there should be some kind of a medium and it's just either black or white. There's no gray area whatsoever and that makes it very difficult. Right. So for me, what happened when I got to university is I didn't have any kind of social skills when it came to dating because so everything. A bunch of man. Eh? That's what you're trying to tell me. Listen, when I reached university, I was approached by, you know, different boys, but I had never gone on a date. Anything I had ever gone to, including prom and banquets and things like that, my father had always escorted, meaning he drove me to the location and then he would drive me home. So there was never time for me to do any sort of exploring or anything like that. Your father then, damn right. Your father right. Because you would have, might have been taking man in the back of the school or something. So more power <laughs> to your father. 
Go ahead. <laughs> right. Right. But the thing is, I feel like if I would have maybe gone on one or two dates before university, it wouldn't have been such a shock because I when I reached university, it was as if everyone could look at me like I was wearing a T-shirt that said, I don't know how to date boys. It seems no, no honey, a t-shirt says stupidity. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it said. <laughs> well, it said something I felt. And it wasn't until I will say maybe my sophomore halfway or maybe even my junior year that I really sort of started to understand social, you know, interactions. And to be honest, even now at 38 you know, on the precipice of 40, I would say I'm still sort of behind the curve when it comes to life experience, you know, with dating. I have had obviously relationships, but um, they didn't really go so far because I was so focused on work, you know, wow. and matriculating through university. You know, I was trying to achieve and you know how they always tell us that we have to be twice as good to be just considered basic you know here yeah they expect every one of us to be oprah and but you know what that's a lot of immigrants though because i think the parents and grandparents had to work so hard that they mm -hmm. want us doctors lawyers you just have to be at the next level next next level and i always say i do get that because what i do see now is a people like us for instance i should give this example that when we have kids right because of what we have been through we try to do the opposite and I, I still go back to there needs to be a medium because uh -huh. now we do the extreme opposite. We give the kids everything possible and that child don't have certain understanding of certain things. I don't want my, because I don't want my child answering me back because I'll go straight hard, go Trinidad and two puffs, two kick, and then the police have to pick me up. So I, my thing is to try to find what that medium is. Like, listen to what your kids have to say now. And then according to what they say, you, you know, you're able to communicate. Back at, with Caribbean people, you, you can't, you have nothing to say. Because even when I came to this country, I couldn't say I don't want to come. I did mm -hmm. not want to come here whatsoever. But if I had tried to raise my voice in any which way to say I did not want to come here, it would have been a form of disrespect. So I had to come here and suffer what I had to suffer. You know what? I should, because of you, Tasha, I feel like I should call my parents right now and cuss both of them. Thank you. <laughs> so bringing that you brought up the topic suffering, I feel like that is something we can speak to real quick. Whenever someone here in the States talks about a hard time, I don't know about you, but my parents always have a very extreme story of suffering that they have somehow, you know, um, overcome. And so whatever it is that I am saying is a difficult time is not really a difficult time because it's really not suffering and it's just me being soft. So can you explain a situation that a typical Trini parent would tell their child if the child says, oh, I had such a hard day? What would be the typical response that a parent might tell a child? Gil, when I come here, I had to wipe people bamsi. Because most Caribbean people, especially women, when they come here, is that everybody seems to be a nurse's aid, a nurse aide or um, 
you happen so you're doing somebody house or you're taking care of somebody kids it's always like the bottom bottom work that most people who born and raised here won't have so it's always somebody and then you have to be nice so even if the people you tend to work with a family or stay in or living in most jobs that i'm aware of and sometimes those people don't treat you that well because sometimes you're even illegal in the country trying to figure out ways some most sometimes illegally to try to be able to even stay here in the country so now mm -hmm. you have to hush your mouth because you don't want to get in trouble you don't want to get deported now you have to wipe people but um, it could be old people it could be kids and it's like you're always struggling then you're staying with a family member who treat you and treat not treating you the very best you 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 try you can't have too much clothes because you're trying to save the money because sometimes you have kids back in your country you have to send money for a family you have to send money for it's just it always seemed like you're always being pulled here there and everywhere there's no such thing as are going to have a party or going to have fun it's about working because you came up here for a particular reason or particular goal and you're trying to accomplish that goal and here you're raising kids that want to give you a lip i want to tell you they want to go out on a date like tasha no that's not gonna happen after i wipe how many people bottom and children who disrespectful to me and all these things so I, they, their struggle is definitely 10 times harder I mean, you're running from the authorities. I don't know about your family, but I, I ain't saying much about my next thing to look for mines, okay? My parents are legal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. It's so funny. and so good to speak, as I said, with someone that also understands and I don't have to, you know, try to draw some sort of Venn diagram for you to understand <laughs> what I'm speaking about. So the next thing that I would like to speak about is when it comes to the family unit in Trinidad and when it comes to being a single woman in Trinidad versus being a single woman in the state, how is dating different or the same in your perspective? Okay, for me, like I, Trinidad is half Indian and half black, right? Uh -huh. So I'm I'm black if I didn't realize that yet. So my Indian friends, because most of my friends was Indian, they had to definitely, by the time they're 25, all my Indian friends were married and having kids already, whatever the case might be. For me, mm -hmm. the black people wasn't as, as bad, but to me at the same thing, by the time you did leave your parents' house, if you actually leave, because what happens is you don't actually leave sometimes, you know, you build up a little... <laughs> concrete partition downstairs or across the street or everybody still close by and then whoever if you, you get a man is either he come there or you go by he house by he parents and everybody just start to build around there but a lot of the times is when you leaving your parents houses because you did find a man and for me i have known some of my friends found a man in order for them for them to get away from their parents because sometimes it is overbearing uh -huh. and that has been my experience Right. So when it comes specifically to the topic of the taboo topic of sexuality, how do you find it as far as navigating sexually and not being married? Because in my household, I was taught the only purpose and appropriate time for any sort of sex is within a marriage. So if you are having any kind of um, intercourse, then it is uh, fornication and it is a sin and it is something the Lord will come and get you for. That's oh, yeah. Now you're coming to get, you're going straight to hell. What are you talking about? You're coming to get to you. You're just sinking through the floor and going straight to the fire. <laughs> right. So the thing 
point is, you know, I feel as if I had a couple experiences where I was sort of waiting for the Lord to come and get me, you know, and when yeah. I realized that the Lord did not come, you know, I was actually surprised, you know, somebody might find that to be funny. But oh, I really so, so basically, that's just saying once you take she man, in other words, once she has sexual relations with an American, Tasha, Tasha sit down in bed praying that Jesus oh God they come get you. Oh Lord. Okay. I did. I was so worried. I was so vexed the whole evening up to it because I knew it was probably gonna happen. And I kept thinking, you know, I don't know if I've lived enough life. You know, I don't know if I'm ready for the Lord. Oh Lord! Well, you know that 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 should have kept your your, your pum pum, aka vagina, unlocked. So therefore, it, it should only only few things enter into this. So thank God for your parents. For me, I did not see a penis till I was about seventeen and a half. And guess why I see a penis? Because I came to America. If I didn't mm -hmm. come to America, I might have still trying to figure out what a penis looked like at twenty five. Cause that's how mm -hmm. sheltered I was. And I think that's me personally. I was scared of any kind of penis. I had a boyfriend in Trinidad, but let me tell you how a boyfriend in Trinidad was for me. The boy lived down the hill. I live on the other side of the hill. I get up in the morning. I see him go to school. I said, that is my boyfriend. I smile to myself. I write a bunch of stuff in my notebook. And I said, that is my boyfriend. I never even talked to the boy. <laughs> 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 so he didn't even know he was your boyfriend. No, no and plus I was so shy. I tell you, your parents have you so. I think of all my brothers and sisters, I was like when it comes to my family and taking care. Because my mom left when I was about eleven. I took care. I was like my. I had brothers. They were twins, and my sister. So I could mm -hmm. do the whole motherly thing with the cooking and make sure everyone go to school and their homework and iron the clothes and stuff. But when it comes to being outside and having to deal with a boy, I don't know anything. If I see the boy coming, I run the other way. I don't mm -hmm. want him to see me. But it's only me and my diary. No, that is the love of my life, and that's who are going to get married. <laughs> so fast forward from then to the thriving, wonderful vibrant woman that you are now well when i see dick, if I see, oh okay, i don't know i know you're gonna, i thought you're gonna ask me when i see dick what i do i said no what if i see dick i going to see if that's the one i want i go for it <laughs> no i was gonna say now that you help people as it pertains to relationships that would denote that you have some sort of experience also i know you have written a book on the topic of breaking up. So that would also mean that you have had a relationship. And so what I would like to know is you can, if you can tell the guest um, how that experience has um, at all impact you or shaped you. And can you tell the guest the name of your book? Okay, so first of all, as it comes to relationship and being an expert, I don't want anyone to get it confused. I can't find or keep a man, okay? I don't, I, relationships, and that has, does have a lot to do with my upbringing. I, I believe being that when I came here, I didn't, I didn't value myself. I did get myself into relationships where men didn't respect, love, or cherish, or support me. And Sometimes I was just in relationships just because to say I have a relationship. So uh -huh. what I did get good at, though, is when the relationship ended, instead of some people who choose to sit down there and eat and gain weight and have acne and emotional and physical pain, I think I just formed different ways of being able to get over relationships faster where I wasn't traumatized and need no bunch of therapy. So my uh -huh. book is 
all, let that beep beep man go. And I like to tell people the symbols in between there is let that, it could be effing man go or whatever <laughs> words you choose to drop in there. Because I always say when you end a breakup, you're not happy. So you're angry. So it's let that mm, man go. Whatever you choose to say, you get to voice however you feel. And it's five plus steps to getting over a breakup. Journal your way to emotional breakthrough. Because a lot of times all we do is sit down on the phone and we talk to Tasha and tell Tasha what the man do, how he didn't do it. And two, two months later telling Tasha the same story and Tasha don't even give a damn because Tasha don't even have no man herself. So she <laughs> got to have a man and she wants both of us to be unhappy. <laughs> so, all right. <laughs> All right. So that's, that's how all that came about. I feel like when I read your book, um, so just to give the audience some context, I met you on the internet and then I actually met you in real life and you invited me to watch a recording of your show, which was amazing. And then from there on, we continued to speak. And then I got the honor of co-hosting your first season of your show, um, the season finale. So that's how we actually have come to this point where now she is a guest on my show and I'm just so excited and just so honored. So what I wanted to say is when I read the book that you shared with the audience, I found it to be comical and also very relatable. Because I feel like oftentimes, like you said, we can be in an emotional rabbit hole. That's what my best friend and I call it, where, you know, we get so comfortable being miserable. True. And so true. when we get that way, it's like that is the energy that we put out to the world, you know. So how can you ever move on to happiness or to something positive if you are just always in this pitiful state? where you don't get your hair done anymore, you don't put your face together, you know, you don't make yourself pretty to yourself, you know, because sometimes people feel like you put on stuff for other sex. No, I feel I try to be sort of cute for myself because when I feel as if I'm cute, then I just feel as if I can have a better day versus if, you know, my hair is a mess, and I and my face is a mess, you know, and I look so tired, you know, how I can feel how someone would be, you know, attracted to that, not saying that someone should just look at me and then be attracted and go from there. But I'm just saying that um, your outward does have an effect. And I feel like in your book, when you were speaking about um, breaking up and the mindset, I feel like the mindset is a very important part that sometimes we, you know, especially you just mentioned a little earlier about therapy. Therapy is something in the islands. I don't know if you agree with this, but I was kind of raised with the idea that therapy is for white people. And that of course, that, that's the American thing. Just like yeah. depression is American on white people stuff. We don't have that. And I, th I think we say, I think that came about because uh, being black and being from the Caribbean, we, we struggle so much with so many different things from trying to raise your family, from work, from just, just overall being who we are and just trying to fight, especially if we move to a foreign country that 
we and I think we rise above so many things is that we so strong we don't need to talk about anything because we're strong we could do all of this thing all of these things when the white people in America and they're weak they they haven't been to no struggle they're always trying to cry about something uh-huh uh-huh so as you were saying you know that is a whole different mindset so when you speak about actually acknowledging your hurt but not staying in your hurt moving forward, you know, and maybe finding something funny or maybe finding a way to maybe help someone else, you know, because the way that you experienced your situation that, you know, was the catalyst for your show, I feel like it was from a very authentic and genuine place. And even though you might have started it out to vent, you know, it moved on and evolved from that point. And I just feel like, first of all, I'm just so very proud of you, first of all. And second of all, I feel as if your topics are very relatable and they're things that regardless of whatever background you come from, you can actually learn something of value. So that's another reason why I'm just so excited, you know, to be collaborating with you in this way. Oh, thank you. I truly appreciate that. And it's true, so true because I always tell people if they watch the first set of episode, I'm I'm very angry. And even though I make things comical or a little funny, because that's the whole premise of the show, you know, don't take yourself that seriously. I was really angry because I was like going through a breakup at that point in time. And it was one of the hardest breakups I've had. But it's amazing how it has evolved and so many things have been added and changed. And it, I, I, I'm very proud of my own self, to be honest. I, mm-hmm. I, 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 I would have never thought I would even be here because that is not something a TV show in the first place is not something I ever thought I would be doing. Especially my upbringing is I was going to be a sewing or food and nutrition. Either <laughs> or. But it's, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. America is a great country. It does help you to explore who you are. It, it has so much opportunity. It has so many things you can reach for, you know, and it could keep you busy. But once you find something you love, you definitely pursue it. And you meet amazing people like Tasha along the way. Oh, <laughs> all sorts of good, happy emotions on the inside. Well, <laughs> as we bring this episode to a close, I wonder, do you have any tips for the audience um, for how to navigate a relationship as it pertains to when you meet someone that you feel like could be the one. Because I feel one thing that we might do is we might get too excited at first and we might put all our eggs in one basket, maybe emotionally. I wonder, do you have any tips to help us to do better when we are looking to find that one here so, amongst a sea of people? So I'll say this, right? Everybody mm-hmm. gonna have a Steve Harvey, always gonna have a hundred and one relationship experts. Some people gonna say when you meet someone, you wait three months, you wait six months, somebody wait till you, you get married. Everybody gonna have something to say. One of my things that I say is one size don't fit all. And that mm-hmm. uh, includes clothes, okay? Women with the tights, one size does not fit all. And to me, that's the same <laughs> thing with relationships. First of all, if you know yourself, you know your worth, you know what you want, to accomplish in life when it comes to relationships. Honestly, I'm at the point where ex- I'm over 40. I just look amazing, obviously. But you, obviously, you, <laughs> you, uh, to me, especially what I'm experiencing now is you you do know. A lot of times when men come and speak to you, you know most of the time if they're full of ish, 
right? Mm-hmm. So I'm not feeling like we make excuses for them. Stupidness we- is how we would call it. Yes, you're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of times I won't say, I, I won't put all these rules and stuff that everybody tries to put on these things. If the man is really coming, you know if someone is about, is if, if you they say, okay, they just want to come and hang out and chill, you you know. Why we like to act like we don't know and we're confused and I was blindsided. Half the time, there's all these flags. The flags come in all different colors before it even become red. And when it become red, then a year later, and you don't understand how you got here. When, when you, If you play that back, you know how you got here. Mm-hmm. You know, I say one size don't fit all. It's two people in a relationship. Know your worth and the relationship. Some people have sex the first day and they, they get married in within six months and their relationship lasts forever. Some people hold out for six months and they're not given any sex and they're praying all the Bible verses they could do when they finally marry the person have sex. The person leave them the next month. You don't know. So don't mm-hmm. just because one book says something, don't just go by that honestly you have some goddamn sense and if you Mm -hmm. honestly focus on yourself and get to know who you are as a person believe me everything else is is so much more easier we make life so hard and that goes for me also simple things life is really simple you know life is about choices and decisions that we make and whatever choice and decision that you make with whatever you know at that time you have to be able to take responsibility when certain things don't turn out right because you're always happy when they do turn out right so take responsibility when they turn out wrong learn from it and move on okay and stop when the stop when this medium is not for everybody find your size same thing with relationships final right <laughs> one sizes does not fit all that's my point <laughs> Listen, for those that, you know, being that this is an audio podcast right now, you're not able to see how she is so immaculately puts herself together. But if you go on she's social media, you will see every time she steps outside as if she's going somewhere very important. I still, at this point, have not learned how to put myself together like that as yet. So I'm still taking notes. I will probably get better at some point. Yeah. Well, um, you know what makes it harder? My name is Miss Francois. That's multi-talented and super sexy. I can't be walking around. I say when, when I reach the stage that I'm not super sexy anymore, I'll be multi-talented and super smart. And then I don't have to stress myself so much. But I'm like, I'm representing myself. I'm representing my family. I'm representing Caribbean black women. So I'm mm-hmm. going to look amazing at every turn, at every point, even without makeup. It's to me, a lot of times I find myself walking on the streets now in present moment. I could not have bed and I walk with such confidence that men actually, I think they, they gravitate towards that confidence, you know? So it's definitely me doing the personal development and getting to this point in my life. Because if you had catch me 10 years ago, my God, I would, my head would have been down walking and just my toe would have been hitting every stone or every concrete. <laughs> so the last thing that I would like to speak about is how dating or life has transitioned from before you were 40 and now that you are. Because in my experience, I feel like if life was a road in my 20s and early 30s, maybe, I feel like there was a lot of fog and it was a lot of haze and I couldn't really see the road too well. I feel yeah, like- Yeah, there was not that room with no light. What are you talking about fog? <laughs> It was, it, was just dark. it was just darkness. 
Exactly, it was stumbling around here. You get nosebleed, your toe, your knee. What are you talking about? Fog. Fog is still to blow and try to see through that, okay? You can right. put on some high beams. Right, right. Well, I feel at this point, I can actually see the road. I can actually see yield signs. I can see potholes. And to a great degree, I feel like I can avoid foolishness. I feel. Um, do you feel like in your experience that's something that resonates with you? Or do you feel as if you're still walking around in the darkness? Well, Gail, if I say I still walking around in darkness, you should just find me and beat me badly. Okay? <laughs> that means I didn't learn from any of my past decisions. My thing, definitely, I'm in the best place I've ever been. And again, you continue to grow and you continue to learn, right? Uh -huh. For me, I do like the space I'm at. I, I am right now. The only thing that seems to be negative, not for me, but for other people, when you're in your twenties and thirties or the early thirties, yeah, you could you could pick up ten different men, right? Mm -hmm. Now that when you kind of know your words and where you're going in life and you know your career and the stuff you love doing and you have all these things going for you, sometimes there are men who are intimidated. Sometimes they don't understand it. Sometimes they don't want it, it, it's it's so different. You attract different people, but now you have to take yourself out of your surroundings and go where certain people that you want to mingle with or network it are. Because I think before you just in your small circle and you think uh -huh. this is your circle for life and you never venture out anywhere. So I think uh -huh. as you grow, you have to realize you have to broaden your network and people, people, you have to, you got to go places. You can't just go in Trinidad. You just go out the street by the corner and that's it. You have to get on a plane. You have to get on a bus. You have to get on a train and venture out and meet different people. Cause some, there was a point in time when I think there's no man out there for me. And for a fact, there is a man or a woman for everybody. But sometimes we sit, sit home waiting for the mailman to come and give us that package and hope to God that's the man for us. Right. Well, we have we have to learn from the past, go out there, spread our wings and still be open, but pay attention. Right. Be open, but cautious, basically. Yes. Absolutely. So I feel as if this episode was so amazing. Before we conclude, could you please tell the audience how they can find you on the Internet or social media? Well, I know how well your audience could spell. But I would like to think you would have all this information on the bottom, but I make it easy for everyone. You just go to my website. It's www. If you don't know that by now, that's sad. But it's MSS Francois, F-R-A-N-C-O-I-S. So once you go to MissFrancois.com, I'm on pretty much every social media that makes sense to the human race. I am on there. So name it, I'm on there. Okay, so you can't, you don't have no damn excuse why you can't find me. <laughs> right. You should actually check out her reels on Instagram and also her whole content on Instagram. It's just so interesting. And on her website, you can find so much information there as well. Um, when it comes to COVID, do you feel like we are getting to a place where we can get to a place of normalcy? Or do you feel like this is our new normal and this is just how it's going to be from now on? Yeah. To me, COVID has taught us many, many things, right? You know, mm -hmm. you have the good and the bad. And it's how you see things. For me, COVID was just another hump in the road. We just so happened to be living it because it had 10 times worse things that had happened in the past. We just haven't experienced those things. That's your great grandparents, so forth and so on. So for mm -hmm. me, to me, COVID was a way for us to just see things differently, for us to maybe get a new job, see different goals, 
reconnect or whatever. So there were so many good aspects to COVID, even dating. I, I, you do more online. It's just so much more things to me has opened up. So I don't even like using the new norm. Look, this is life. This yeah. life continues. Certain things may have changed. You just keep, you keep moving. There's nothing should really stop you or hold you back. Things might not have been done exactly the same way as it was done yesterday, but maybe you got even more more ways to do new things. So it's to me, it's in many aspects, it's a blessing. Wow. Well, I feel like that is an amazing place to end this episode. Again, this is your host, Tasha Ray of Womanhood Decoded, where each week we endeavor to explore the intersections of womanhood, motherhood, and sexuality. I hope that you have enjoyed this episode as much as I have, and I look forward to connecting with you on my upcoming episode. I'll see you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone.